What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you for checking out the show. You can find new episodes every Friday. You can find a Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel featuring a bunch of in-studio performances from this podcast from all kinds of different bands. So check out the, the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel. Hit subscribe on there so you know when new videos are coming through your feed and check out some of the ones that I have listed as my favorites up there. And also, if you, as always, if you would like to support the show in a free way and you have not done so yet, we need the iTunes reviews. I cannot stress the importance of the iTunes reviews enough. I'm sorry that they matter, but we need them. And so if you would just so kindly, since you're already probably listening on your phone, you're just going to click subscribe on iTunes there on the podcast app. You're going to click subscribe on the Dan Cable Presents show, the program, and you're going to hit rate and you're going to give it five stars if you feel like I deserve it. You know, only if you feel feeling good about it. And uh, and then just say a few nice words. You don't have to say much. Just drop a line, and that will really help uh, shoot this thing into the, into the charts of the iTunes, into the top music podcasts and whatnot, and it will give more people the opportunity to find it that wouldn't normally have done so. They wouldn't know about it, and then maybe they're just cruising the iTunes charts, and then they see it there in the top 150 like maybe I should check out this guy's big dumb face, and uh, it not only helps the podcast, but it also will help the artists that come on the podcast as their music and uh, words will be shared with more people. So contribute to that, help uh, keep this thing going, and contribute directly to the sustainability by simply making one of these iTunes reviews. Um, I'm not going to read an iTunes review today, but I am, or I would like to give a shout out to an um, Instagram follower. His uh, his handle is filthyglass underscore 503, and this person has just been super supportive um, of, of this show, and has uh, done their best to uh, spread the word here and there to people and has just been interactive with me and i i I appreciate the encouragement and the support and if you want to send me an email at dancablepresents at gmail.com you can hit me with your address and i would love to send you one of the baseball tees one of the dan cable presents baseball tees i don't know if that's much of a reward uh, a t-shirt with my big dumb face on it but uh I'd love to send you one. So hit me with an email. And anybody else that wants to hit me with an email, I'll read some emails on this show. I don't care. It's my program. So send your emails. Send your concerns. Tell me what you'd like to see more of on the show or less of. But anyway, also just get yourself a baseball tee on the uh, dancablepresents.com, the official website where you can uh, just find everything linked up 
new episode pops up on the homepage every every week. And uh, there's usually some videos up there and whatnot. And there's also a donate button if you just want to send a few dollars to the show. You know, pay for a studio session, help contribute for a a, a microphone cable, or to get my own cable company going, Dan Cables Cables. I think I think that's probably a big winner and in the future of of this podcast. But anyway, um, just a few calendar dates to touch on. Uh, first being May 26th, which is mentioned in this podcast, and um, that is Matthew Fontaine Fountain. God, I always want to call him Fontaine because of Mike Fontaine, who's been on this show before, but it's Matthew Fountain and the Whereabouts, and uh, it's their release show at Mississippi Pizza. It is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. It's going down there, and it's an early show. It's a 5 p.m.er. And it's also all ages, which is very cool. And uh, my friends from episode 73, Small Souls, are also on that bill. And um, yeah, so check that out. That's May 26th. And then let's see. I felt like there are some other ones, but uh, we'll just go with uh, December 15th. This is a, or December 16th, rather. December 16th is. The second annual Dan Cable Presents Holidays Party. It's going down. Alberta Street Pub. The bill has been finalized. I am, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. If you dig hip-hop and if you dig R&B, this is, this is the place for you to be then that night. That's where you should be. You should be at Alberta Street Pub. If you've been thinking about seeing some hip-hop and maybe expanding your mind, on, on some different music that you may not have particularly seen too much of. The R&B that, and hip-hop that is going to go down that night is going to be beautiful. We got some aliens who have been on this podcast before, I think like episode 18. Uh, and um, you can find both live and in-studio videos on the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel. Some aliens is going to be there. I love those those people. They're great. And then Maxwell Cabana. Maxwell Cabana. You got to come see Maxwell Cabana. Don't mess around. And then bringing it home, we got the Pariahs. We got one of the coolest live hip-hop bands in the city and um, proud members of the, uh, you know, the High Mind Collective, the the prize, the prize bring it. Just amazing musicians. And then they got West Guy at the helm spitting the rhymes so I'm I'm very pleased to announce the official lineup for that. It's going to be a ten dollar cover going down Alberta Street Pub. I really want to pack it out. I want to pack it out for for those folks playing. So tell your friends, tell your friends that that want to just like dance, dance the night away. Tell your friends that love hip hop. Tell your friends that just love R and B and 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 bluesy good times. You know, just do it. So, December 16th. You got it? Dan Cable presents second annual holidays party. There's another one. Um, December 19th. Also an event that I am sponsoring at the Doug Fur. This is uh, a benefit to help build homes for the less fortunate. And uh, it's a really cool build. The get ahead. Uh, my friends in Camp Crush and Foxy Lemon. Oh man, rad lineup at the Doug Fur. Doug Fur, amazing venue here in Portland, Oregon. 
So that's going to be very cool. Stoked to be, um, you know, be a sponsor of that event. So it's for a good cause. So, so check that out as well. And um, I think that's it. I think we're going to get into this episode. For anybody that did not listen to the previous episode, just to provide a little bit of context for maybe um, some of the exchanges that Matthew Fountain and I share on this episode. Um, I was intending to put this episode out last week as episode 84. And what had happened is I really blew it with the technology and ended up recording over the uh, original Matthew Fountain conversation. I blew it. I made a technical error and learned another valuable lesson about this Zoom R24. Where are you at, Zoom? We need your sponsorship. Um, yeah, so I blew it. And it, that is not the email that you want to send to anybody. You do not want to have to send an email to somebody saying, hey, you know that conversation that we had and that, that whole meetup? Yeah, um, it was cool, but it was, a, it was a waste of time because I blew the recording. Um, but Matthew was very cool and understanding and, and made light of the situation. And both of us, after um, doing it again, he was, he was kind enough to, to have me over to his home and um, we had another chat. And we both agreed that we both enjoyed this one even more. And we both had a good time hanging out the first time. But um, I think one of the bummers about losing a podcast conversation, especially in this forum where I don't do any real editing to the conversation, um, the bummer is that you lose some of the the naturalness of that. And... Um, and I was kind of concerned at first that it was going to be a little difficult to make it feel authentic. And that was not the case at all. And I was hopefully able to, the dog is barking now. This might go on toward, till the end of this, this, uh, this outro, this dog loves to bark. I'll tell you what, that's big Fran Francis making it, making an appearance on the, uh, the program here. Um, but I think what happened was we had the initial conversation and I was able to use that conversation to, uh, inform this one. And also, uh, we weren't strangers anymore. So I think it just made both of us more comfortable and we kind of had a, a little bit of a rapport going into it. And this is one of those episodes where we, we do talk a lot about music, but, I thought we um, explored some other things too. And I really enjoyed hanging out with Matthew again. Uh, he's a very interesting dude and very like introspective and, and warm. And he was uh, just seemed willing to, to share. And it was very cool. And I just appreciated the conversation very much as you will. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to tell. As, as this one, I don't know, it's not long, but we definitely were, were chatting it up for a while and, and I was pretty stoked about it. So I uh, just wanted to say thank you to him again for just being a super kind person and not being a diva about the uh, the whole mishap 
on my part. So we're going to get into it. Uh, he's got a new record called uh, Born on the Hook. It's Matthew Fountain and the Whereabouts. And uh, he worked on this record for a while to, to really perfect it. And he talks about himself being a perfectionist. And um, But he spent a lot of time on this record. So I would definitely encourage people to check it out sonically. It's really amazing and worth the headphone experience for sure. But just in general, just a really well um, produced record. And it's got a lot of ups and downs and offers a lot. And um, yeah, I think it's got something for everybody. And I don't see why you wouldn't be able to find at least one or two jams on, on this Born on the Hook record that, that you would enjoy. So we're going to kick it off with the uh, the first song on the record. Um, which is called written on your wall so this be it this is episode 85 we are cruising here episode 85 with matthew fountain this is uh this is a jam called written on your wall Nobody quite 
just a drum, nothing else is gone. Matthew Fountain here, round two. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to, you know, pretend that that was like the pre-interview, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I'll obviously try not to recreate what has already happened, but I'll, yeah. you know, hopefully I can use our uh, previous recorded conversation as, uh, you know, to inform this one. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be like, it's like. Let's just imagine that I was severely like uh, shy about doing the interview, and I just needed a like a a trial run. <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I th- I think the uh, the listening audience is definitely gonna know that this was due to my error. I'm not gonna just throw you under the bus as the <laughs> guest. You know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I you know, I'm 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 happy to 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 do it again. I had fun last time. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, we um, just hanging out at a hanging out at a bar. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those things with the technology that it's just bound to fail sometimes. Even and unfortunately, uh that particular time it was it was a human error. Yep. Well, but you know, it happens. Stuff happens. So I appreciate you you being so understanding. Yeah, you know? I just uh, I just censored myself from saying shit, and then I realized that it probably doesn't matter. No, you can you say know, whatever you, can, you want. You can, <laughs> this is my it's, program. It's not for, for primetime necessarily. No, no, it's my program, and you can you can say whatever you want on this show, and that's how we like to do things. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's. Uh, you're about nine when you picked up a guitar or mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. And that was yep. Your step grandfather? Uh, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I uh, I learned a little boogie. He he played. You know, he did a lot of uh, uh, old school country and boogie kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I learned that in a, a little trailer in in Jackson, Mississippi. And um, I came home uh, with my dad, uh, and uh, he had hidden a, a guitar in the in the trunk of his of uh, his car on the th- three hour ride back to our house and then he handed it to me and um yeah it was a great surprise i've been i haven't really parted with it much since yeah when you uh when he first sent that home with you then was that was that something you were plugging away at like pretty pretty regularly oh yeah constantly um i uh yeah, I mean, you know, it, uh, it, it, it was, hmm. uh, it was an obsession for sure. I'd say, yeah. <laughs> Is there anybody else in in your family that was was musical as well? Um, yeah, I I have a a cousin, um, named Pete Fountain. He was a, a well, at least in his day, a a, a pretty famous uh, jazz clarinetist in New Orleans, uh, Dixieland jazz. And, uh, yeah, you know, he was on, 
uh, what do you call it? The uh, Sullivan. You know, he was on all those shows. Oh, back crazy! In the day, yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So you, you kind of grew up in kind of an environment where it was encouraged to uh, pursue the art a little bit. Um, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, it wasn't, it was encouraged in terms of being a hobby, you know, um, and, uh, I'd say my, my parents were maybe a little split over whether or not it was a great idea to go into, into something like that as, as a career and, and, uh, in fairness to them, so did I, you know, so. Yeah, it's definitely, uh. <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't seem to be super encouraged, just because <laughs> I think I think it's just an understanding of how difficult it can be to actually make a career out of this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, particularly these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. When there's just like so much to choose from and so little revenue being generated from <laughs> from what's heard. So. Yeah, it seems it's kind of like this double-edged sword almost because obviously we all have so much more access to everything, and it kind of gives like. Uh oh, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Dog got caught in the headphone cord there. I thought I was going down. <laughs> Maybe I have some bad juju going on here. I don't know. <laughs> no, but you know, like we all have more access to everything, which means it kind of levels the playing field for everybody to a certain degree because every like anyone can put music out there, and you know, yeah. we can, we're all kind of like one retweet away possibly from you know someone <laughs> someone recognizing yeah your art that's true it's true it's funny I, I think the best quote uh i've heard about the topic is uh johanna warren the singer songwriter um she lives in portland she actually sings on some of the songs on on this album uh she said on twitter or something um you know if i had a nickel for every million plays i've had on spotify i'd have a nickel <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But then there's that end of it. Like you were saying, it is difficult to like bring any revenue in when, you know, records aren't really being so much sold and everything is so accessible for like a monthly rate of like nine ninety nine or free if you just yeah. want to listen on random and don't care about a track order. Yeah, yeah. And don't mind a few commercials. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I you know, I'm guilty of that shit too. So Yeah. i I mean I've definitely made it pretty clear on this podcast a few times i have like an apple music subscription yeah. and right yeah yeah but i don't know i've i try to uh i try to support outside of that and have that inform what i'm actually going to purchase you know like if i yeah. find a record that i really dig and especially if yeah. there's a vinyl copy of it like i'm probably going to go buy that vinyl record at least for sure. or try to buy a t-shirt or something if i see that person on tour or whatever yeah for sure I know it's it's weird, you know. Like I used to go into record stores um, and think, "Wow, look at all the cool stuff to get." And now, every time I go into a record store, I think there 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 are like millions of hours of work put into this. What's in here, you know, in this place, you know? Um, just thinking of the one album I've made, you know, like it's it's. I'm just really humbled when I walk into a record store now. Like just. How, you know how much work people put into these things you know for sure um so was it kind of like high school days that you actually started like writing your your own compositions and, and writing like complete tunes um you know i no uh and and i would say let's see maybe around 12 or 13 i started getting into like heavy metal bands and 
stuff like that. So I was nice. writing. Yeah, I was like the young kid that they were sneaking into uh, the bar, <laughs> you know, bars to play and then sneaking out, you know. So so I would be in bands with guys who were like 23, 26, and that was the, the kid. It was was the the metal kind of kind of your shit at that time, or was that yeah. just what was available to play? Or I was big into it. I mean, that was that was a time when you know I was really uh, interested in like the technical aspects of playing, you know. And metal's a really good avenue for to exploit to explore for that because you know I was always trying to learn all of the solos and the Megadeth songs, you know, like the Rust in Peace album and all that stuff. So uh, so yeah, I I was totally into that. So we, we did like a combo of covers and original stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I don't know. I think that, I think the metal stuff definitely shines through at certain points, even on born, <laughs> born on the hook, you know? Yeah. I think the sense of, uh, I think there's sometimes like a sense of panic in in the songs. And I, I think that's a, a holdover from, from those, from the metal years, yeah, for, for sure. sure. And <laughs> at least on the recording, I haven't had an opportunity to see you play live yet. But like the technicality of the guitar playing is is very like on point throughout. And Thank you. Yeah, appreciate some, it. Just some very cool licks that that happen throughout the record. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when did uh, when did like the singer, like the more singer songwriter kind of vibe come out of you? Like as far as <laughs> r- like after yeah. post metal bands, I guess. Yeah. It's funny cause I hadn't thought of this in a long time, but, uh, <laughs> but I, it was always there, you know, like I, I had like singer songwritery stuff on a four track and I would just, you know, and I, I would listen to like Frente and Tori Amos and, you know, like I would just, uh, but <clears throat> But, uh, you know, like it just didn't fit in with with the stuff that the guys I, you know, was in a band with listened to, you know, it was just like totally out of bounds. So I would often just like hide my <laughs> my Tori Amos records and stuff like you that. You got to be careful around those metalheads, <laughs> man. They will like crucify you for what you're listening to sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was weird. Like being like an Allison Chains head and then and then like listening to Little Earthquakes by Tori Amos. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I I feel like I was kind of always like in that same same boat. Like, yeah, I'm. I just grew up listening to a pretty wide variety of music, and mm-hmm. when I was like, I don't know, ten years old, I had um, like a really cool babysitter that uh, nice. turned me on to uh, the Metallica stuff, and yeah. that was like a big deal for me at that age. And then sure. to she took me to see them at really? when I was twelve. We went to Lollapalooza when it was st- when Lollapalooza was still a touring festival. Oh, cool! We went and saw Metallica. Nice. Like she was, was just parent like, approved? "We're gonna do it." What's that? Was that parent approved, or were, did you do that? They were like, I mean, they didn't know because they were. It was kind of like a weekend thing where I was okay. with the babysitter for the weekend, but yeah, she yeah. was kind of like a part of the family, and it, you know, so they trusted her okay. to like not put my my life in harm. Okay, okay. but I, de- I mean, she might be responsible for this fucking rabbit hole of like <laughs> music uh, endeavors. Right, <laughs> you know, she right. definitely. I don't know. That kind of blows your mind when you when you see that at twelve. And, yeah, you know, it was Metallica. It was um it was Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. um yeah chris cornell played like a couple songs by himself that night yep the ramones were still like the 
original lineup of the Ramones was still oh, like happening. Cool. It was were... like 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. like Opera, uh, Rancid was there. Yeah. I remember we were talking about the Rancid Outcome the Wolves record right. when we were at the Nest <laughs> last right. time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But then I was also like listening to like Phil Collins. Right. And yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so was, I don't know. It was just always very like spread out. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that feeling. Um, yeah. And then you moved to Portland like 2005. Um, yeah, 2005. Yeah. The day Hurricane Katrina, uh, uh took the, the levees, um, in New Orleans with it. You'd already planned to get out prior to this, this happening or, um, well, or did you kind of just bail as no, it was all I, 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 I wasn't living in, um, in Mississippi when I moved to Portland. I, I moved uh, to Chicago when I was uh, 17 to go to college. I went to art school there and um, studied film um, and screenwriting, screenwriting mostly. Um, and I was there for eight years from 97 to 2005 and um, and then came out here to do some music. Right on. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, I don't know, you were here for a little while before you started kind of dabbling playing out and stuff oh yeah yeah um yeah i was here well it's funny because i was (laughs) i I have a kind of a perfectionist streak and i had been working on a screenplay with my roommate in chicago for four years and uh and then you know our my moving was our deadline to be like okay done 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 final final like that's it we're not ever gonna touch this again and then, of course, you know, like the first thing I did when I moved here was I set, I, I gave the screenplay to a, uh, a, a teacher, you know, who had like sold like I don't know seventy screenplays or something, and, uh, and she gave me her comments, and of course I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I should, you know, we should work on this some more, you know. Um, so there was, you know, maybe a year where I was still trying to divide you know, my energies in between film and music. But, but after that, I, I got more serious about it. Yeah. Is it, is it always, like, has it always been kind of a, a push and pull thing, like back and forth between the, the film and the music or? Um, it, it has been. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is too, is that I just, I simply spent so much time doing film that um, sometimes I just feel remiss about, you know, not having it add up to something, you know what I mean? So now that I've sort of got, had a, a, a little bit of experience doing, um, doing live music, I, I have started to, uh, <laughs> well, actually what happened was I, <clears throat> I got on this like health kick, uh, which should be obvious from this drink here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to start meditating. Okay. So I started, you know, meditating and doing the bold, you know, mind uh, meets the body, you know, breath kind of thing. And, um, and, but I started just getting all these ideas for a screenplay about, about uh, a struggling musician, you know, Um, and all of these, these things that, you know, I never see in, in movies. Just, I just, I just thought there was a lot of a lot of areas that were untapped in terms of what I had seen of, of movies, you know, like Anything, I love the, yeah, yeah like I love the movie once, you know, um, but you know, in a way it's, 
it's kind of um it's a little bit of a fantasy you know i mean it, it it's you know it's like oh you find this really like perfect uh person to to collaborate with you know and, and everything is beautiful you know uh, i mean it that's oh, definitely oversimplifying that movie but um but there was a fantasy element in it that i think attracts viewers you know um but i i just think there's a lot of um <laughs> there are a lot there's a lot of untapped uh you know like neurosis uh, you know re re revolving around you know like how to find an audience as a musician you know like how to uh you know book shows find the right um you know band members you know um so so yeah i just i was just like i gotta write this thing so i just started writing that so so yeah i i guess i still haven't to answer your question really uh, ridded myself of the the film bug that's all right though <laughs> right like i don't know do you have to rid you rid yourself uh, of the film bug no like, no but it's just you know like time moves really fast and and you know it's it's like part of you goes well you know like you know you're not fucking superman you know like you can't you can't necessarily like divide your energy, you know, in half and expect, and expect, you know, um, to, I don't know, to, to, to come up with something as great as you could do if you've spent all your time on it, I guess. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, it's just kind of like the idea of like whatever you put your energy into is going to grow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I see what you're saying though. Like if you're dividing that constantly. Yeah then things are going to grow like less significantly or, yeah. so or these maybe questions, not at all because yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, these questions that, that we're talking about it, that's, that's the stuff that's, you know, um, that, that, that is the subject of the, of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. That's very cool. Uh, do you feel like your, like your filmmaking and, and screenwriting has, like informs the way that you write songs. Yes, I well, I I mean, you know, it's kind of a I guess a chicken or the egg kind of thing. I mean, like, are my songs cinematic because I spent so much time, um, you know, like writing screenplays, or am am I just, um, you know, a person who who thinks in terms of of film and 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 like really enjoys a narrative heavy song you know um and th and that made me gravitated toward making film you know so you know um so yeah i guess i i guess i don't know exactly how to answer it but but i definitely um in ter in terms of of making my music like lyric centric that that goes hand in hand with my interest in film for sure yeah I'm just curious cuz yeah i don't know to me when i'm listening to your tunes um like there does seem to be like a lot of layers to everything and and it seems very like thought out and it it seems like it has like each song can like really stand alone as its own piece and mm -hmm. and own story yep yeah so. and that has a lot to do with the, the just the sheer amount of time that um that i spent on the album you know again with the perfectionist thing um, I mean, like many, many years I spent on it. So, uh, so yeah, I think, you know, you just kind of, for lack of a less pretentious term, like in a different temporal space, you know, from year to year, you know, and, 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 and you're kind of almost a different person 
and so um so it's almost like looking looking at a diary from like you know 12 years ago like that spans you know a decade or whatever um that's that's kind of what it's like for sure i think that's one of the i don't know that's one of the cool things about actually documenting this stuff and like making a record is you know in 10 years you're gonna get to come back to this thing and just have this snapshot of time and yeah it's kind of wild yeah it's kind of like i <laughs> it's kind of like I, I i just made a best of album like <laughs> it's it's like i had the, it's like i had the the song that i really liked you know uh, uh from that from that time when i i made like 11 other songs but i just you know hated the other 10 so would never release them <laughs> for that's sure kinda, that's kind of what it's like <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs> Uh, let's get into another track off the record then. We're gonna we're gonna play a song called "The Company" off uh, "Born on the Hook," Sweet. which is the the new record from Matthew Fountain and the Whereabouts. Keep it company 
kind of fear that doesn't pound on the door You already keep it company It telegraphs from below the noise floor Everybody keeps it company The great armies on the planet Guard the emptiest cell You'll get a key to go inside Just when you think to rebel You're wanted at the cliff's edge Here's something for a dizzy spell Well Welcome to the company Welcome to the company Welcome to the company It's the hand you had in it The role you played in it Are you looking for a bright eye? Bright idea, keep it company That was the company. That's one of my favorite jams on the record for sure. Nice. Just a very, very cool groove. And, um, Ominous. What did you say the name of the woman who did most of the the backup vocals, the female vocals on the record? Um, I would say the majority of them were done by uh, by Lizzie Ellison from Radiation City. Okay. Um, and, you know, she's on... Uh, the defector and and written on your wall and, and some of the, the more upbeat stuff um and, and also this is kneeling but but uh, johanna warren is also um is also on some of them particularly um uh, uh on bookkeeping for the world war i just felt she had a kind of haunting quality that that really worked with that so yeah bookkeeping uh bookkeeping for the world war is a is a pretty wild song man like that <laughs> that's definitely one of those songs that like I don't know. I see the uh, the correlation of like the filmmaking in like there's so many different pieces to that song and, and it almost has like prog elements to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I get the prog thing a lot and um, I I mostly resent it, but but that song I totally understand. I totally get it. I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty prog. <laughs> yeah, and it it never really like I don't really feel that it bounces too far outside of like its its structure or like its core like choruses and and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, it just definitely like has some of those elements and yeah it's real it's fractured for sure seems yeah. to be one of the jams where maybe some of the metal influences oh yeah come into play definitely you know? the guitar stuff in there yeah for sure and definitely I mean, the whole record is is a great experience in the headphones but that one particularly I, I did quite a bit cool man it's just like a lot of awesome uh production on the on the record um, yeah it's funny you said that because i was just thinking you know that's that's definitely um i think paul and uh and jeff's favorite as well uh the the engineer and mixer and producers yeah they, they enjoy that one um and is it paul that worked on the typhoon stuff yeah paul laxer yeah awesome guy um really it was really good for um for somebody like me who's who's really uptight in a in a situation like recording where you're thinking about the money and the time and all that and you know he just like kicks off his shoes and starts eating potato chips and you know (laughs) and he's just very relaxed about 
about the process. Um, so it was, it was a good tonic for, for my personality. Um, he was great. And, uh, and then Jeff Saltzman, um, is the, was the mixer. Right on. Yeah. Um, so Paul was, did, was Paul the, the engineer then on the project? Yeah. And yeah. He was the, he was the main, uh, engineer. I did everything except, um, except for vocals with, uh, with Paul, just because I knew ahead of time, like how much I was going to record and re-record vocals and it was just going to take forever. And, <laughs> and so I was thinking of the money and I was like, oh, I just can't do that. So yeah, we did all that. And then, um, and then in the mixing process, we then realized that, that uh, some things needed to be re-recorded. So, um, uh, particularly, well, not just re-recorded, but the drums needed to be replaced with their original, um, uh, uh, the original uh, drum machine uh, um, tracks. So, so there was some production done in the, in the mixing, uh, the mixing phase as well. Yeah. So you actually had a drummer come in and play live drums on on the tracks. Yeah, I had an amazing drummer, Nick Worth. I just can't recommend that guy enough. He's, he's so great. Um, and he was, I mean, particularly on a song like Booking for Bookie me for the world war where where you know the the more machine like you sounded uh the, the 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 creepier the song was you know which just added to the effect um but the the issue was not his playing but um just how you know actual drums sound in a mix that was already very layered um and and you know like you know it it drums take up a lot of a lot of the sound field and even when you you carve out a lot of the low end you know it's just um you know and it, it was just too much and again um to kind of repeat what i said before this was really what i what i wanted to be despite the big arrangement was um a really lyric centric experience um, and, and so to have that much going on and, and the drums, you know, sort of reaching out, um, in the way that they did, uh, it was, it was too much. And also, um, real drums, um, have a, have a, uh, you know, you know, obviously a much warmer sound than fake drums. And, uh, I didn't anticipate ahead of time, you know, that that would actually take away from the effect of of uh you know like the sort of darker more lurid tone of uh of the songs you know um what i was intending so it was kind of warming up and humanizing songs about dehumanization <laughs> you know so um so we went back to we uh depending on the song we went we either went back to the original uh, uh drum machine tracks or we did sort of a hybrid between the human and the and the fake yeah it was a, it's a killer call. Um, that's definitely like one of the things that actually like stands out to me the most on the record is is the percussion and the the drums just throughout and just their their placement in the mix and and just how they play off of the other tones. Like it sounds sounds super great. So thanks, man. I I appreciate the decision you had to make there because I'm sure it wasn't easy to have put in the time obviously not yourself personally playing on the kit but to like have somebody like nick come in play some killer drum tracks and then kind of have to be like oh this is this is not where it's at right yeah um it was i mean 
it, it was just one of those things that uh, um, that brought out the perfectionist in me, I guess, you know, because, you, you know, you could say, oh, well, you know, um, it's, 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 you know, it's good. It works. Um, and, and if you redo it, it's going to be very expensive, <laughs> you know, and then coming back, coming back to Jeff, the, the mixer and, uh, and co-producer over and over. And, you know, like I did was, um, was, I think taxing on him as well, you know, so there was also the personal element of, of not just, you know, the, the amount of money that you're spending, but, but maybe you're just kind of like, annoying <laughs> annoying this guy like there was there was one time where uh where you know it was after i told him that we were done you know and then i heard something that i needed to change you know and then i i knew the response was going to be it's going to be harsh you know so what i did was <laughs> like i literally i went to like this really great sandwich shop and i bought this really great sandwich and then i i i bought flowers for his girlfriend um because you know a, a lot of the time that that we spent um mixing you know could have been maybe better spent with uh, his his uh better half and and then i also bought um some dog treats for his dog and i set that i sent them i set them on his uh his front doorstep with a note that said I, I know that I'm crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. That's such a killer way to pad that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but yeah. Oh, and then, um, when the, when we were actually finished, um, I, I thought it would be funny to just sort of play a practical joke on him and send him an email. Uh, it, the subject line was, um, uh, minor changes. You know, and what I did was uh, I copied the entire text to uh, War and Peace by Tolstoy and pasted it into the <laughs> into the email body um, and, and sent it just as a joke. Uh, and <laughs> he said, you know, he responded, that would have been really funny, um, except that the email was so big that it didn't load for 10 seconds and I had a heart <laughs> attack for those 10 seconds. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, but man, like you gotta, you gotta be happy with what you're putting out, you know. Especially oh, when, yeah. like, like you said, this has been, these are songs that have been building up over like years and years for you. So, to like have all that time pass and finally put this record out, mm-hmm. I think, you know, ultimately you want to be proud of it and not have too many of those moments that you look back on and cringe when you hear it. Do you feel like being being someone that's a perfectionist? Do you do you think there's kind of always going to be those those little things that that throw you off on it? Or um, now at this point, you know, you're about to release this thing into the world. Are are you super excited about it? And um, I you know I, I'm really happy with the record. Um, I'm always going to be that kind of person. But but you know what? Um, if I really sit down and think and just and you know, meditate on it. Uh, I, I go, okay, you know what? Um, having my music to be critical of is a lot better than just having myself to be critical of, you know, like, cause if I don't have that, that creative outlet, I just turn those knives on myself, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Very well said. And 
yeah i think that's the difficult difficult thing about putting stuff out is like you're you're probably always going to be most critical of it yourself but and people most of the people that listen to it are, are not going to hear those those little things that that you hear and that yeah, bother right. you totally. but it's so hard to <laughs> totally. i don't know it's all perspective <laughs> and hard to maintain that perspective sometimes yeah yeah do you feel like there's any um just overall themes to born on the hook and and what it represents uh from a lyrical standpoint yeah um i i think that the the through line for the whole album um from song to song even though they're stylistically very different um they do have kind of a similar subject matter which is sort of you know how people deal with um uncertainty and and the unknown um and you know how you know how we face it and and in some cases how we we don't um embrace it and what the the repercussions are of um of facing it versus not um that's yeah that's kind of the theme throughout yeah for sure i can i can definitely appreciate that and the uh the unknown can be a, a frightening thing in walking into that. And I was just recently talking to a buddy from this band called The Co-Founder and just kind of uh, talking about, you know, the anxiety that can, can kind of seep in from, from the unknown and, and kind of really pursuing something. But mm-hmm. I don't know, when you, when you embrace that, you know, really really cool things can can happen when you when you embrace it and kind of run run towards it instead of away from it yeah yeah exactly and you know um my my hope is that the uh that that subject matter um of the lyrics is is also sort of translated in the um like emotionally by the music you know um and the feeling that that like the, the the metaphor that I use um, for that feeling is like when you walk into this really great big church, uh, you know that's that's designed to both you know terrify you and draw you in, you know um, that uh, it, that kind of push pull feeling, um, you know this sort of somewhere between like a gasp and a sigh, you know is is the, is the the feeling that I'm always trying to get at. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully, hopefully I, you know, succeeded at some time and that the lyrics helped to accentuate that. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally feel like you succeeded in, in doing that and it's, it's very cohesive yet it doesn't let you get super comfortable in, in one feel for very long. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got like the opening tracks that are very upbeat and then kind of dips down a little bit. The Defector song is, man, that's a that's a great tune. Very Thanks, man. cool, man. Yeah, and I gotta, I know I mentioned her before, but I gotta give a shout out to uh, to Lizzie Ellison. She was so amazing on that song. I mean, she just really just took it to some other place. Yeah, just the contrast of the the male and the female vocal on especially songs like that are just very cool, man. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think I told you the first time that we chatted, um, the lost episode, <laughs> uh, 
that that song definitely especially by the end with all the all the horns and everything definitely reminds me of just like a modern day wrecking crew type jam and just with all the horns coming in that big band feel uh, like do you feel like any of that is influenced by just kind of growing up around some of that Dixieland jazz and, and stuff like that or um honestly no I, I I didn't um I didn't expose myself and wasn't exposed to uh the the music of my uh immediate surroundings um as much as you know maybe I would have hoped to have been or, or maybe I just rejected that that, mu- that music because you know I don't know. Maybe I was just being snobby about it as a kid, but you know, it wasn't until I got to college that I went back to oh, you know, like Robert Johnson and all these great blues guys and all of this great music that my cousin, who up to that point I had not even heard once, um, did. You know, I mean, that's that's one of I don't know. For me, that's one of the coolest things about music, though, is that sometimes it's, you're not ready for something. Mm-hmm. And and you do like reject it. And there's been so much stuff that in the past that I have um, been very opinionated about. And <laughs> now some of that stuff is my favorite. Yeah. Like So yeah, know, it's yeah. just also like due like, time and, and like really, who, like what's an example for you? Um, a big one is like Coheed and Cambria. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't band know that at all. Okay. I don't know that. Um, that was that was something that that took me a long time to come to and it was uh it's mostly a a vocal thing okay uh, just a very high pitched vocal a male vocalist was super high pitched and i just didn't get it for a long time okay and yeah that's now it's like a band that i don't want to miss anytime they come to town okay um same th- in general electronic music yeah like electronic music is some of my favorite stuff now. Yeah. And yeah. instrumental music just in general, like that took me a long time to come around on. Mm-hmm. And that maybe w- w- I wasn't so opinionated about, but it was definitely something where I was just like, Oh, this doesn't have lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really want to get down on this, but now the instrumental stuff and especially like jazz is something that's usually in rotation for me. And I find so much value in instrumental music now just because there are no lyrics to dictate the feeling like it's all about the music and all about communicating through instruments and i that that shit just like blows my mind Mm -hmm. yeah 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 no i hear you i i i never used to be able to get into uh like paul simon um and james taylor i always felt um (laughs) maybe this is Maybe this is a silly thing to say, but I always felt like particularly white listening to them. Like, <laughs> but what, but what That's that amazing. is, but what that is, is I think that it's there's like a sweetness to it that I just couldn't uh, like allow myself to let in, you know, um, like without. There, I, I felt that there was no kind of dark element that usually sort of drew me into something, you know. Um, I mean, I had always loved the 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 Paul Simon song uh, "American Tune." I think that's like an amazing, transcendent song. Um, but uh, but other than that, I, c- I could never do it. Um, so now I'm just kind of like getting back into that that stuff and and realizing that there is that you know that there's a lot of 
there's a lot of great stuff in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, even kind of tying back into what you're talking about as far as, you know, embracing something. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about like a lot of it for me at this point is just kind of trying to embrace the things that maybe I don't particularly care for initially Mm -hmm. and trying to appreciate something about it and be like, Oh, well, like I don't really care for this, but like the songwriting is still pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of times it's that. And especially trying to challenge myself through this podcast and, and trying to keep things pretty mixed up musically. Mm-hmm. I think I've, you know, in tried to invite a lot of that in and some, I don't know, sometimes people will be like, yeah, I don't know. Like if you want to have this person on your podcast, like it, I don't know if you'll really care for it. And it's like, I don't know. I can kind of get behind anything right? as long as I can find something to appreciate about it. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell you. Um, so, one thing that I found pretty cool was was this video that you made for uh, this is kneeling. Oh yeah, which that that seems to be kind of this moment where you get to your your love for film and and music kind of gets to collide and and come together into the same yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, I I got to collaborate with a really great uh, ballet dancer named uh, Kansas Bouchard. Uh, she's a, a soloist at um, Oregon Ballet Theater, and uh, and yeah, I you know I came to her with a a vague concept of of what I wanted, um, you know the 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 con like the meaning of the song has to do with um, you know becoming vulnerable in order to grow and to grow stronger, um, so. I had this idea of her, you know, starting a routine and, and being continually interrupted by uh, a a like a, a sort of drip from the ceiling, this 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 leak, this water leak uh, from the ceiling, and uh, it's sort of ruining her routine. And um, and then eventually, you know, she she comes to sort of you know uh, embrace the. The, the 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 awkwardness of <laughs> of that being in the middle of the room and and she makes the 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 leak a part of the uh the routine and and i thought that that uh, that idea kind of went well with the with the, the meaning of the song and she was into it and she you know she created her whole her whole uh, routine around that. I wish you choreographed it. She choreographed, yeah, all of that. Yeah. I wish you did though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I I tried to. If uh, I secretly she... got to know that you were like <laughs> had some ballet and dancing choreography <laughs> skills. Yeah, yeah. I think that would just really make you the complete <laughs> artist with the music and the film, <laughs> the dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I considered firing her and just doing the dancing myself. Uh, for a while, no, I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> that would have been totally horrible. I just dug it, man. It was it's very, it's just very cool to watch. Just get to watch her kind of interpret the words, the lyrics, and then to see her embrace her surroundings and find the potted plants to place where the leaks are and stuff like that. It was just I don't know, just some very cool um, symbolism and whatnot within the video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's really talented and has a really great, you know, uh, screen presence. And we're going to actually work on another uh, video 
well, for a, a new a new song, a new post born on the hook song. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that should that should be fun. Um, do you have any uh, like strong like overall takeaways from like the whole experience of finally putting this record together and and making this thing happen and finally putting it out <laughs> into the world? <laughs> Wow, that's a big question. Um, I know it's kind of loaded, but no, no, I, I, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, I'll need a, I'll need a five second pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, hold for a word from our sponsors that we don't have. Um, if you would like to sponsor this show, now's the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know, um, and this is really something that I'm just kind of I'm starting to understand uh, with through therapy <laughs> and whatnot, but. Um, you know, I think I was really writing songs uh, that were wiser than I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I was. These songs are are telling me, like what I like what would really be healthy for me to do. You know what I mean? Like, or, or to or to understand, or like, there, it's it's like I mean, I I guess anytime you write something worthwhile. Um, it's it's something that you're in and something not something that you're beyond. You know what I mean? Because if you're if you're beyond it, then it's not emotional. You're not like like in like enmeshed in it. Um, so so I guess that makes sense in a way. But but yeah, I mean like I, it, it's it's funny because like I'm I'm sort of writing from this wisdom that I just can't live. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, man. And and um, and and I think that. It's all, but it's also helped me to to become conscious of what I need to do to become a better person, maybe. So um, that's, I think that's the main takeaway is like what I need to work on. <laughs> I can dig that, man. It's songwriting is a funny thing, and especially when you write lyrics to a particular song and then see how it gradually applies to to your life. Like mm-hmm. and and maybe it, it takes on different forms as different things in your in your life happen. Mm-hmm. It always like blows my mind to return to a song and be like, "That's what I was talking about in this jam." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I was trying to tell myself. Yeah, just like you're saying, like you, you're almost wise beyond what you're capable of. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I mean, I um, you know, it's it's it's. But you know, I guess that's just. I mean, we're we're what we're doing is laying out maybe our own frustrations at ourselves, you know, and and maybe the lyrics are there to sort of guide us to another another stepping stone. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in that that way. That usually songwriting is is very like reflective, and you know, usually exploring your your internal whatever the fuck's going on mm-hmm. inside and obviously you it gives you the time to like flesh out your ideas so you're not just blurbing everything out at once yeah and so obviously you have the time to like perfect those ideas and, and really get your thoughts out the way that that you want to yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's not just like a stream of conscious thing. It's like, oh, okay, there's this line. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this is what makes sense here. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a paradox that I that is interesting to me. In fact, the the script that I'm working on, like the elevator pitch that I have for it now, is that you know, 
as a, a you know when a a, a a guy who who writes and sings sad songs uh, fails to find an audience um, at his at his uh, his point of despair his own songs start to speak to him in a way that they hadn't before and sort of save his own life. That's deep. <laughs> that's, that's some deep shit. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely appreciate it all and, and definitely understand uh, where you're coming from with all that. You know, it's, it's, it's a wild thing when, when your own words kind of circle back to be the thing of like, like, yeah, just, just having those, revelations and stuff yeah it's, it's a very bizarre experience yeah it's a mystery right yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> um well, cool man i i appreciated round two round two uh, yeah. was i think i like round two better yeah and we don't have to make that edit yeah from the the other one. Oh right when i said all that <laughs> stupid stuff <laughs> <laughs> i was like i emailed him like hey uh you know uh remember that thing i said <laughs> Yeah, can we just cut that out <laughs> entirely and That's just pretend right. that never happened? I don't want anybody to feel ashamed of like <laughs> what they, they said on this podcast. You know, I want it to be like a positive thing and a, a yeah. good representation of yourself. Yeah. Uh, where can people keep up with you? And the show is on the 26th, November 25th. November 26th. 6th. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, we're going to be at Mississippi Pizza uh, releasing the album. It's going to be an early show, which means that you could bring your entire family. All ages. Um, and, uh, and you know, uh, great pizza, great people who, uh, who run that place, by the way. Um, shout out to Dan. Shout out to Mr. Dan, yeah. And Not me. I'm not giving myself shout outs. Yeah, the other Dan. The other Dan. <laughs> Dan Eichler, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan Cable's pretty cool, though. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, we're, we're going to be... Um, uh, on the bill with uh, Anna Fritz, who's a really great uh, singer-songwriter. She sings and plays cello, um, and uh, and plays plays cello on a lot of probably your your favorite Portland recordings, um, and also the really cool band Small Souls, um, whose music I enjoy a lot. Episode seventy-three of the Dan Cable Presents hey. podcast. You can find find out all about that straight up, and. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. So we start at fi- it starts at five, uh, goes to around seven forty-five, and we will we will have uh, we will have download cards available for a low low price. Um, we spent uh, fourteen thousand on the album, and we're giving it to you for like uh, I don't know, like four bucks or five. I don't know. You can <laughs> it's haggle. A good us. Deal. <laughs> you can haggle us for it. We don't really care. <laughs> and born on the hook is the record. Uh, what is the official release date for Born on the Hook? Same day. All right. Yeah. November 26th. November 26th. Get yourself to Mississippi Pizza. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great food. Great. Um, well, I think it's great music. We'll, we'll see. And you're playing some road dates as well, right? Yeah. Some I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Just some solo some solo stuff around Washington and, and uh, like one one random one in L.A. What is the uh, website to keep up with all those dates for our outside of Portland listeners? Yeah, uh, it's matthewfountain.com and uh, yeah, all the all the show dates are there and uh, matthewfountain.bandcamp.com and you can also buy the album there. Rad. So, yeah. Cool, man. Um, 
We end each episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline, which is, it's a program. So if you could uh, deliver a strong one for us, we can do it. It's a program. That's it. That's Matthew Fountain. Uh, we're going to play it out with a, a jam off of Born on the Hook, which is called Animal, that I particularly dig. So check out this record. Check out the release show going down at Mississippi Pizza. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Thanks, dude. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you were just a warm body for these hands to feel Just a moving target to aim for If I couldn't feel your silence or mercy in major chords I could easily tear you apart Is it the devil in here Who takes your love and in turn Decides to burn you pound by pound We're gonna be together If I pull myself together No, I can't turn this hunger back around My face was streaked with red The night we met When the sirens blared, you should have turned me in Who in your mind were you blessing On the sink wrapping me in gauze Don't you see I need a crime to atone for Is it the devil in here who takes your love and in turn Decides to burn you pound by pound we're gonna be together if I pull myself together No, I can't turn these hunger pangs around I'm an animal, your heart is one serving In a four-course meal I turned into a beast looking for my ideals Still I can't forget your name was Imogene I'm an animal, things out for the future No thought for the past But every part of you I taste still lasts I can't forget your name was Imogene I'm an animal, I can still see your name Carved into stone I can't rewrite the truth I never lived until you showed me the beautiful flesh on your bones I'm an animal, and now I'm strapped tight to this throne Now that my crimes have turned the whole world into a map without a Now your heart's inside me I can feel it pounding
on your bones I'm an animal And now I'm strapped tight to this throne I swear my crimes have turned The whole world into a map Without a home It's a program.